KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com. Welcome in. It's Jade Hindman. Today we're talking with community organizations helping people impacted by earlier floods. Their focus is now shifting to rebuilding homes in San Diego. This is Midday Edition, connecting our communities through conversation. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. On Monday, San Diego County officials announced they are now providing housing for people displaced by flooding that happened during the January 22nd storm. The news comes as the city of San Diego announced a new online resource hub for those affected by flooding that can be found at sandiego.gov recovery. But local nonprofit groups have been on the ground helping impacted communities since day one when flooding hit areas like Southcrest, Cholas Creek, as well as parts of National City. Today, we hear from some of those involved in the ongoing efforts to help those affected by the flooding. Joining me today is Valerie Brew, Child Wellbeing and Family Wellness Department Director with SBCS. They serve the South Bay, and Valerie, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you. Also, Armand Harvey joins us. He is the president and founder of Harvey Family Foundation. Armand, welcome. Thank you for the invitation. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. And Pamela Gray-Payton, Vice President and Chief Impact and Partnership Officer with the San Diego Foundation. Pamela, welcome. Thank you, Jade. So glad to have all of you here. You know, first, I, I know that you all have been working closely, getting people housed during this crisis. How are people doing right now? Are their needs being met? Armand, I'll throw it to you first. So as of right now, we are working closely with those that we have have housed in uh, the three different hotels, um, as well as working with those who haven't been housed on the streets. As far as needs being met, I think in our opinion, we're doing the best that we can uh, to do so. Um, but we're working closely with other organizations to make sure that the expectation of the flood victims are met. So I would say the best that we can. I wouldn't. I don't. I wouldn't say a hundred percent are met because I know a lot of these families would love to be back at home. But we're doing the best that we can together. All right. We will dive into their needs um, later in the interview. But the Harvey Family Foundation was among the first nonprofits on the ground there after this storm hit, and we saw these horrible images of flooding, of cars floating away, people evacuating rising flood waters. Can you tell us about that day and when you realized this was was really no ordinary storm? Yeah, you know, it was just an ordinary Monday. Y'all you know, just was actually driving home from the gym. Um, just was going up my street to go, uh, as I normally do, go say hi to my mom and my grandma and Logan and just realize there's a, you know, abnormal amount of, of, of water gathering at the bottom of Logan Avenue. So when I just got home playing with my nephew, uh, get a phone call from down the street saying like, Hey, there's cars that are actually 
being submerged. And, you know, I'm like, oh, no, nah, couldn't happen. So once I go outside, I take a look down the street, I actually see it. So I immediately just, you know, got in the car, went down the street to make sure people weren't in cars, helped a friend out as they were trying to cross over uh, the street, trying to stop traffic. And then uh, got a phone call stating that later that night that the uh, Red Cross would be opening up over at Lincoln High School. So with me coaching there, I immediately went to go lend a hand as I grabbed volunteers within the community to help me set up beds for the Red Cross, realizing that not only my street was affected, I had no idea who else was affected. I started immediately getting phone calls from around uh, Southeast San Diego of, of needs that houses are actually being submerged. So we encouraged everyone to uh, come to the Red Cross, fill out intake forms to figure out what their needs are. And it just started to become overwhelming. I immediately got on the phone with Anna um, over at Jackie Robinson YMCA um, as she's a good friend of mine and, and asked her would she be able to offer the YMCA as assistance, whether it be uh, more housing or or showers, what can she offer? She said, well, as of right now, we can offer the showers. So then, uh, you know, uh, she she did that. We started uh, offering showers, allowing people from the Red Cross and people that were affected within the immediate community to come take showers. As that was happening, we uh, started getting more and more stories of people that were coming in and what was happening around around Southeast San Diego, South Crest, Shelltown, also in Encanto, and started as we saw the devastation, it just was, it just was sickening and, and just, mm -hmm. just sad to see so many. I mean, at one point, you know, we saw two cars at the end of a cul-de-sac inside someone else's house. Mm. Um, we saw people on top of roofs, you know, we immediately just sprung into action and just are like, you know, Hey, this is the day after the storm and people are still hanging out on their roofs. No, I was going to say, I mean, it's, it's so great that you were able to pull resources together and, and really handle this quickly and, and get everyone mobilized. I mean, that, I mean, that's a huge, huge help to the community. Valerie, you know, I mean, I'm curious for you, when did it really sink in that so many people's lives were being upended by the flooding? Yes, Gina, it actually happened that day. So SBCS is located in the South region, and we actually have staff that are co-located at the schools in National City, as well as Family Resource Centers. And quickly, we were receiving phone calls, not just from our staff that are located throughout the community, but also residents and families that we serve. And quickly thereafter, receiving phone calls from the city of National City, who's been a great partner of ours throughout the decades, of just the great need that we are experiencing in our community. And in particular, Gene, there was a mobile park in National City that was completely devastated, um, virtually the whole the whole park washed away. And this is a lower income mobile home park. So we knew we needed to gather resources for our residents here in the in the uh, South region, in particular National City. And not only we're so fortunate to receive funding from the San Diego Foundation to immediately immediately move into our first phase of moteling our families, getting them out of the unsanitary and unsafe conditions of their home, or if they were already displaced, many were living in their cars because they had no financial resources to enter into a motel. So we were really fortunate to be able to start doing that um, on February 2nd. Hmm. Pamela, what was your reaction to, to all that you were seeing? Jade, like we've heard from Armand and Valerie, I it was initially just shock that this could be happening in San Diego. And immediately following that was seeing the the commitment from Armand and the crew that he's mentioned uh, jumping into action without being asked. 
recognizing that there was a desperate situation and that people needed help immediately. And they were incredibly responsive to those needs. Uh, yeah. We came on board just a few days later, I believe, and said, how can we help? And what we all realized was needed urgently was temporary housing assistance, as so many people had been uh, displaced from their homes or should not be in their homes, given the conditions. And so we immediately connected with Irman and with the Y to ask if they would be able to help us with actually placing folks in temporary housing situations in hotels and motels. And Pamela, you you mentioned temporary housing. What's the situation with that right now? So for many of the folks that have received vouchers, either through the Y partnership that we briefly mentioned or through SBCS, those vouchers were originally for two weeks approximately. And so they'll begin expiring in the next few days. Uh, The county housing program has said that the goal is to transition these individuals who are currently being housed with resources from San Diego's uh, flood response fund to a county funded program that will allow them to stay in either the existing temporary shelter that they're in or temporary housing that they're in uh, for at least another month. Uh, And in some cases, you know, those individuals are going to need to be supported by our fund for a few more days, allowing the county more time to get their services up and activated. So if the county housing comes in for a 30-day window. That means that for a lot of these people, come the middle of March, their housing resources will expire. Valerie, then I want to pull you into this. I mean, what's the housing situation from where you sit? Are you seeing similar challenges in this area? We are. I mean, we're fortunate to be able to house in temporary motelling situations, many of the families but that really still isn't enough. As Pamela said, you know, we know that funding with the county might be delayed a little bit until we're processing all of the intakes. And with the recent rains that we experienced after the January 22nd um, storm and flood, that had actually caused more repair and construction delays. So for families that were working on repairing their homes, then were delayed even further with the more recent rains. Um, so the need is great. We've been working every day and doing a lot of outreach. Our agency has promotoras and we're sending them out in the field in National City to really make sure we're reaching all families that have been displaced or as even Pamela noted, might be living in their dwelling when they should not be because there's no gas, there's no electricity, their stoves have been destroyed. There's mold growing. So we're really doing a lot of outreach as well to this day. Wow. And, you know, we've touched on this, but you all really make the point that this was a team effort to get people help. And Armand, you compare it to the Avengers. So who were your Avengers in the immediate aftermath of the storm? Hey, I had to had to call on Anna. She was the first person uh, besides my mom and my dad. They've been nonstop supportive of me being behind in the background, not really being in the forefront. So, you know, and then as well as Tasha Williamson, she's been a great advisor to me um, on things that I should do, how I should say, how should I approach things, as well as Barry, who's been incredible with his team and all the data and creating the QR code, as well as our uh, geo mapping system um, for us to be able to respond to people who are in need fast. That has been huge for us and Anna, she's been, you know, just the best just with the admin part of it, the facilitation, a part of it, 
and as well as acting swiftly on being able to facilitate the housing process and getting those that we have surveyed on the ground housing and being able to prioritize it with the help of Barry's team. So, you know, I got to give all the credit to the people who actually believed in it and just without questions or hesitation, um, just jump into action. And Pamela, last week, the San Diego Foundation announced it raised more than $800,000 for its San Diego Flood Response Fund. Can you tell us about the genesis of this fund? Uh, Sure, Jade. The fund was launched just a few days after the disaster. So the event uh, happened on January the 22nd. I think the fund was up and operating by that Thursday, the 25th. Uh, The fund has actually raised over $950,000 as of today. And uh, that has come by way of more than a thousand donors, many of whom are, you know, people associated with the foundation, meaning they're fund holders. But some of them are just folks in San Diego who care about their community and want to do what they can to help. Uh, And then we've had quite a few uh, donations from corporate partners and, and people, organizations that we know we can depend on to help in our time of need. Uh, The fund has provided over $500,000 in grants so far. Uh, Armand serves on the advisory council for that fund. So we have a group of eight people who are are looking at the applications that are coming in, looking at the situation on the ground and helping us determine what the priorities must be uh, for those funds. Unfortunately, we probably have over two and a half, three million dollars in request for the funds right now. And as I said, we're at roughly or have received about $950,000 so far with uh, more than $550,000 going out the door. And just yesterday, we made a few more commitments uh, for funding. So we're not able to accommodate all of the requests that are coming in because we just don't have the resources, but we have a match. So anyone who wants to contribute to the fund right now, those dollars are being matched uh, one for two, meaning for every dollar that is coming in, the foundation will contribute uh, towards that. So we are hoping to raise another million dollars and that will unlock a $500,000 contribution from San Diego Foundation. And I wanna just say big thanks to the Y and to SBCS. Both of them, as you've heard, have allocated human resources of significant uh, magnitude to this effort, and they're not charging the fund for their effort. So the work that they're doing is completely pro bono. It's helping the community, getting people housed uh, temporarily while we sort out as a region how best to help people long term. Uh, That has been pretty phenomenal, and it allows us to put all of the money into uh, the needs of the community. Coming up, the conversation continues as organizations shift focus to recovery and rebuilding. I've learned that the the community can mobilize pretty quickly for a common cause. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by 
UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. We're talking with some of the nonprofits who have been helping communities impacted by flooding as a result of the January 22nd storm. And Valerie, we talked about all of your efforts to get people housed in the near term, but there's still a long way to go. So what's next? One of the things that we are seeing, and, and we don't know much about this yet, but the role of getting um, repairs done, whether that be through FEMA, um, if families or households or owners of the properties ha have insurance and kind of working through the insurance through that could be a long way off. And I also think just families recovering, I mean, to lose your entire home and many of the belongings that that go with that home. Um, we're talking about just even the trauma and the impact that has a lasting impact on families. Um, but it goes beyond those homes. We have families that have lost their cars. Their computers. We had we had one single mom whose daughter was in college, and everything was destroyed, including the computer. Um, and so the mom had to you know go buy a new computer and put that on credit just so that her daughter could continue her schooling uh, in college. So the the repairs beyond the home are extensive, from clothing to to household establishments uh, to the vehicles. And I think just recovering, too, from, you know, having to miss work, miss school, um, these families that are so resilient, it's amazing. It's so inspirational. And I know Pamela mentioned the in-kind of our human capital and resources. And I'll tell you, the families are just such an inspiration. And we're here working every day. And it's an honor to actually partner with them and to be able to help support them long term as they're recovering from this just unbelievable disaster. Yeah, no, that is, is good to hear. And um, speaking about, you know, the long term, Armand, I think the Harvey Family Foundation, you all have some goals to get people back in their homes by next month. Tell us about those efforts there and, and what it'll take to actually make that happen. Right. So from the beginning with our plan, um, we decided to kind of break this up in different phases with phase one is working with um, philanthropy dollars and donations, you know, thanks to um, um, San Diego Foundation and helping with that and facilitating us getting the houses, uh, the families in um, temporary uh, hotels. Um, and now that the county has stepped in um, and working close with Barbara from HHSA, um, we've decided to kind of take a step back and allow them to um, do what they need to do to get this extension done. So we're gonna work with them as far as just facilitating of getting our list of people um, who we have been helping um, that extension. Now, while that is happening, we're gonna move forward to phase two, which is the remediation of the, of the homes. Our plan is to go out and remediate these homes, get it all cleared out from the muck, the debris, you know, all that to at least get it down to where it can then be rebuilt to be able to get the walls. We want to make sure that at the end of this 30 days that the walls, the floor, the roof is all in. So that way they at least have a home to come to after these 30 days are over. And Pamela, I know, as you just mentioned, there are public resources um, available. How have you been working with city and county officials to better help storm impacted people? That 
has been uh, a process that was unfamiliar to me. I've never had to help navigate you know, these very, very uncertain waters. Uh, but being able to rely on the nonprofits while the city and the county worked on establishing both the uh, emergency centers that they created, so the local community, uh, LACs, excuse me, uh, that were established. And then now that they're almost ready to start receiving uh, the folks who have been in our temporary uh, arrangements, either hotels or motels, uh, just providing the ongoing support to the nonprofits while the city and the county are are getting uh, online and activated to carry on in in this particular way. Uh, we're hoping that they'll have the resources to help everyone that has been aided thus far. Uh, there may even be some folks that haven't received housing assistance but need help. And so our hope is that the city and the county will be able to provide those essential services to people while we continue to partner with uh, other folks to put more money into the rebuilding process that Armand was just describing, you know, and Valerie as well, as you imagined hundreds and hundreds of people who have lost everything. Uh, that is an extraordinary loss for a family. It's trauma for children. It's trauma for the parents. They've lost everything, Jade. And so helping those families get reestablished is going to be a long, long process, and it's going to take lots of money from multiple sources. And I don't know that any of us have an answer just yet, but we're committed to the long term to helping uh, sort all of this out and see how philanthropy could best serve the community in a time like this. But yeah, it's extraordinary. People have lost everything. And in some cases, you know, folks who've lost their vehicles, but their livelihood was supported as an Uber or Lyft driver, and they're no longer able to do that. So it's a it's a very big uh, challenge uh, facing the community. And I just hope your listeners and, and others will recognize that it's it, important that all of us gather and support our communities uh, as one. People need our help right now, and, and we're here to help facilitate from a fundraising standpoint and uh, really leaning on our nonprofit partners like the Harvey Family Foundation, the Y and SBCS, and so many others to be the, the organizations that are on the ground gaining the trust and uh, supporting the community when they need it most. Mm. Do you have any sense of how many people have been impacted by this? We've seen uh, different numbers, and I don't know that there is a, an accurate count just yet. 211 has been capturing this information. Uh, both the Y and SBCS have been helping as well with gathering information about the number of households that have been helped. Uh, we're somewhere around 250 households, and that means over 700 people, I believe, is, a, is an estimate right now, both adults and children and, and a few pets in there as well. Uh, but we know that's just scratching the surface. Not everyone needed to move out of their home because of uh, inhabitability of the home, but others have been in homes that probably, and under different circumstances, they would not have stayed in. And then other organizations have uh, provided housing assistance for their tenants, and uh, they need help too. So I just want to lift up organizations like the Chicano Federation and Wakeland Housing, both of whom have affordable housing communities that have been uh, severely impacted and they need help uh, providing temporary long-term uh, housing for their clients as well. Mm. And so I know that there are a lot of nonprofits 
um, who have come together who are offering resources for people whose homes have really just been destroyed um, or who need this uh, a substantial amount of work done to be able to move back in. I mean, are there state resources, city and county resources to aid them in doing that? That's where we are still trying to understand, Jade, what the city and the county are able to provide. Uh, it's a very unusual set of circumstances and thresholds that need to be met in order to those, in order for them to unlock um, resources. The $10 million the county approved a couple of weeks ago uh, were first are first being utilized to address the housing issue. But there have been quite a few organizations on the ground that are helping with remediation. And we're hoping uh, to learn more about what the city and the county will be able to offer. Um, you've seen the mayor's announcements about the work that the city is doing and how they are stepping up everything from uh, trash pickups, et cetera, and removing fees for uh, those types of services. All of that is extremely helpful, but what resources will be available to help people rebuild their lives is uh, still to be determined. And we're, you know, as time passes, uh, it becomes more challenging for folks to get that information. So we're really hoping that our city and county leaders can give uh, the community the information they need as soon as possible. Yeah, and Armand, I know that's an area that you're, um foundation is looking to help uh, people with. I'm curious, you know, with all that's happened, uh, so many people coming together to to help and assist in uh, this time of need. What have you learned about the community since January 22nd? Well, I've learned that the, the, the community can mobilize pretty quickly for a common cause and a common goal. And um, I wouldn't say that that was very surprising because I know that the community is, the members in the community really love where each and every one of us is from. Um, but I just learned from the different backgrounds from organizations, uh, the different backgrounds of ethnicities that all live within our community, um, just the love that everybody has for this community out here in Southeast San Diego, South Crest, uh, you know, so, you know, Shelltown, like we're working with organizations and people that we never met. And now they, you know, we've built long term relationships with them because of this, um, you know, an unfortunate situation that happened. But a lot of positive have come of this and uh, we continue to are going to continue to grow and really build um, this disaster relief team to make sure that. We, you know, learn from it and make sure that, you know, we're more prepared for something like this if it ever happens again. And finally, I want to ask each of you for those who who want to lend a hand or support those affected by the storms. What's the best way to do that? And Valerie, I'll start with you. Sure. Well, I first think keeping the conversation going, you know, the storm happened back on January 22nd. So we're going on, you know, past three weeks. And so I think for residents that are caring and concerning about this issue to continue to talk with family, social groups, community members, keep the conversation going so we can keep this in the forefront. Um, our families also beyond the hoteling do need other financial support related to food and transportation and clothing and rebuilding those non-household um, 
establish, establishments would be very, very helpful. And Armand, how about you? Well, we're gonna we're 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 in the process of planning our call to action um, at right now for volunteers to come and help us with boots on the ground in our remediation process. A lot of people are asking, hey, also where can I donate monetary donations? We're asking all of our donors to please donate to the San Diego Foundation as we feel that those donations will stretch longer with their whole matching campaign. So those are the two asks that we are we are asking people if they want to help in, in this relief. And Pamela, anything to add to that? You know, I have witnessed uh, the partnership of community organizations that may not have worked as closely together in the past, uh, but what they have created together and in response to this crisis has been remarkable and something that every community should be very uh, proud of and lift up as a model. What they've shown is that by collaborating and working together on behalf of the community and people in need, we can do anything. Uh, and it has been remarkable to witness. I, I can't imagine where these communities would be if not for the leadership that Armand has provided and the partnership that so many other organizations and their volunteers legions of volunteers have committed to this initiative initiative over the past three weeks. It has been extraordinary to witness. And I just want to say thank you to Armand and, and to Valerie for uh, stepping up in the way that they have. It has been uh, a pleasure to, to be able to join beside you. As a funder, we want to continue to do more, obviously. And so we are really relying on the community to help us do that through continued donations uh, to the fund. I've been speaking with Valerie Brew, Child Wellbeing and Family Wellness Department Director with SBCS, Armand Harvey, President and Founder of Harvey Family Foundation, and Pamela Gray-Payton, Vice President with the San Diego Foundation. If you are in need of services, you can also visit sandiego.gov recovery or kpbs.org for more information. Thank you all so much for joining us and for all of the work that you've been doing in the community. Thank you, Jade. Thank you. Thank you so much. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.